This is the Savvy Philanthropist Podcast. My name is Kirk. We are a financial planning podcast for people who want to do philanthropy well. Whether you're a donor trying to do some good in the world, or you're a development officer trying to connect resources with the people who need them, this podcast is all about how to navigate our U.S. legal and financial system in order to make the greatest philanthropic impact you can. This is episode 40, When a DAF Doesn't Make Sense. Last week, I discussed the situations where using a DAF can make a lot of sense for the donor. The two scenarios were those unique income events I mentioned, and then years when a donor wants to bunch charitable giving in order to itemize deductions. So, all good there. This week, I'm going to take a look at some times when a DAF really doesn't make sense. I think it's fair to say that the information floating around about these scenarios tends to be pretty inconsistent, and sometimes it's just plain wrong. Well, today I want to clarify a few of those situations to make sure donors get the best bang for their charitable buck. The first scenario has to do with growth in the DAF portfolio. What do I mean by that? Well, imagine that a donor makes a $50,000 gift to a DAF. So far, so good. But then the donor wants to let that fund grow for a year or two so that he has more money for distributions to operating charities. So two years later, no distributions have been made yet, and the DAF has grown to $55,000. Sounds like a good thing, right? Well, maybe not really. The issue is that no one got the benefit of donating that extra $5,000. The donor took his deduction with the original $50,000 gift. He doesn't get any sort of additional tax benefit from the $5,000 of growth. In this kind of case, the donor would have gotten more tax benefit by simply keeping that bucket of money in his own name to himself and letting it grow to $55,000 in his own account. Then, when it had grown to the full $55,000, He could donate that entire amount and take all $55,000 in tax deductions. Now, this issue needs to be balanced against the two scenarios from last week, which might outweigh the lost growth uh, in the tax deduction. But barring those situations, just watching charitable gifts grow in a DAF really doesn't do any good. The donor loses some potential tax benefits, and the operating charity doesn't get the money any sooner anyway. So that's the first scenario where using a DAF doesn't really make sense. The second one is when a donor wants to use a DAF to pay a charitable pledge. What do you mean by pledge? Well, a lot of donors sign agreements with their favorite charities to make a series of gifts over a period of time. For example, a donor might sign a pledge to pay $500 per year for the next five years. Something like that. A lot of donors sign pledges like that. And a lot of those donors also have DAFs. So, the obvious conclusion reached by many, many donors is that they'll just use their DAFs to pay off their charitable pledges as they come due. No problem, right? Wrong. To dip into the weeds a bit, there's some real controversy around this issue among the small slice of Americans who dig into this. There's a statute in the U.S. tax code that is kind of ambiguous as to whether or not paying off a pledge with a DAF is permissible. For many years, the IRS has been pretty coy about how it might or might not enforce this. So the consensus reached among charities is that they would all adopt the safe position not to accept DAF payments against personal pledges. A couple of years ago, there was some movement at the IRS to clarify this, but it sort of petered out. So for the time being, the status quo remains. Almost no charity will accept a DAF payment as an explicit payment against a personal pledge. Now between you and me, your local charity can usually help you fiddle away around this problem, but nonetheless, that's the official answer for now. DAF payments cannot be used to satisfy personal pledges. The third situation where a DAF doesn't make sense is for a planned gift. Some donors think that they can pledge part of a DAF to a particular charity in their estate plan. 
I have heard donors insist that they can designate DAF assets to a charity through their will or trust. The legal answer on this question is that you can't, and that answer is clear. Remember that the donor no longer actually owns the assets at the DAF. The donor donated them. The DAF sponsor now owns those assets, and the donor got a tax deduction. So it follows that the donor doesn't have any right to direct their distribution at her death. It's worth bearing in mind that the donor's rights during life are only ever advisory anyway. That's the advised part in the fund's name. That advisory right can't transform into a legally binding instruction in an estate plan. However, I do need to clarify one point on this topic. Some DAF sponsors allow an original donor to name additional advisors upon their deaths. So mom and dad could fund a DAF and then direct that their children become the fund advisors upon mom and dad's death. But even in that case, the kids, again, only have advisory privileges. They never receive any sort of legal claim. For what it's worth, most DAF agreements provide that if a DAF still has assets when the donors pass away, those remaining assets are simply added to the sponsor's general charitable fund. And they're probably endowed, so the sponsor gets to invest and take a fee on those assets forever. So those are three scenarios where donors sometimes try to use DAFs, even though a DAF doesn't help them achieve their philanthropic goals. As I've mentioned many times, a DAF can be really useful in certain situations, but it's also important to note when trying to use a DAF doesn't really make sense. And these are some of those times. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. If you know other people who might find this podcast worthwhile, please share it on your social media platform of choice. And if you're feeling particularly generous, a rating or review for the show on whatever podcast service you use would really help to get the word out about the show. You can find The Savvy Philanthropist on the internet at thesavvyphilanthropist.net. You can find me on LinkedIn at the link below in the show notes. And you can follow me on Twitter, where I am at RossPlan. Lastly, if you have any ideas, suggestions, or helpful insights, feel free to email me at thesavvyphilanthropist at gmail.com. That's it for episode 40. Thanks for listening. Next week will be a bit of a commentary week. Among professionals in this area, a bit of controversy tends to follow DAFs around. I'll outline those controversies and offer some ways to think about them. Until then, remember, do well, then do good, but always be savvy.